Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Hey there, it's Michael Costa from The Daily Show on Comedy Central. Ever wonder what happens behind the scenes or want to catch some extended interviews? Well, now you can. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition podcast for full episodes, extended content, and a whole lot more. The Daily Show, Ears Edition is available wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest tonight is a pastor, politician, and author who currently serves as a United States Senator from Georgia. Please welcome Senator Raphael Warnock. Wow. Senator, thank you for being here. Sounds like my church on a Sunday morning. (laughs) No, the January 6th hearings are underway. You were elected Georgia's first black senator in 2020, a historic win. (laughs) But that historic win is juxtaposed against a very different vision of America. White nationalism is on the rise. A lot of these uh, Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, these these sort of Christian nationalists and white nationalist organizations were involved in the January 6th assault on the Capitol. Do you have any thoughts on what the committee has shown us so far? Well, you're right. I, I was elected on January 5th. Uh, Georgia did an amazing thing. In one fell swoop, the state of Georgia sent its first African-American senator and its first Jewish senator to the United States Senate. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and, I mean, when you think about that over against our very complicated history, and the darkest moments in our history. That, that's that's uh, quite an accomplishment. Uh, it makes me proud as a Georgian. And as you point out, the next day, uh, we saw a violent assault on our Capitol. Anti-Semitic and racist signs trafficked through our Capitol. Police brutalized. People lost their lives. Here's the thing. We don't get to pretend that January 6th didn't happen. We don't get to gloss over that. It did happen. Those were not tourists going through the Capitol. January 6th happened, and it shows a part of our complicated uh, family story as Americans. Mm -hmm. But January 5th also happened. Georgia sent... Georgia sent a kid who grew up in public housing on the west side of Savannah, Georgia. I'm number 11 out of 12 children in my family, the first college graduate. And today I sit in a United States Senate seat once held by an art segregationist who sat in the seat when I was born. That that is the beauty of America. And and we've got to decide in this moment, are we going to be the America of January 6th or the America of January 5th? I choose January 5th. I, I choose hope. Well, 
As many people out there may know, you were replacing uh, uh, an open Senate seat, and therefore you're up for re-election again in the midterms in November. What do people need to know about these midterms? Well, look, the, the beauty is that in America, we, we're a government for and, and by the people. So the people get to, to have their say. And I can just tell you that it's in the honor of my life. Um, nowhere else is my story uh, possible. Um, you know, the year I went off to college, went to Morehouse College chasing Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. Something about his spirit captured my imagination. I was born a year after his death. But the year I went to Morehouse College, my, my family's income was about equal to the tuition room and board. I often say I went to Morehouse on a full faith scholarship. Mm. Means I didn't have enough for the first semester. And, but I got there through Pell Grants, low-interest student loans. Prior to that, good federal public policy. Prior to that, uh, I was an upward-bound student, which was another federal program that put a poor kid on a college campus, allowed me to imagine myself there. And even before that, uh, I'm an alum of Head Start, uh, another good federal program that, um, that gives poor three-year-olds and four-year-olds uh, an opportunity by opening their minds to the world of reading and literacy, dealing with that word gap. I like to say to smart people when I'm speaking to sophisticated audiences that I know you think you're pretty smart now, but you'll never be as smart as you were when you were four years old. So what, what, I, what I'm saying is, is that uh, I know firsthand the difference that good federal public policy makes. It gives people a chance to make the best out of their lives. And um, I look forward to talking to the people of Georgia about what we've achieved and about the work that I look forward to doing. Now, you describe yourself as a senator, not as a senator who used to be a pastor, but a pastor in the Senate. Y you, uh, are you still pastor at Ebenezer Baptist? Yes, I preach every Sunday. Okay. You're a senator and you go home and preach. Now, yeah. this, this is the church for people who don't know where Martin Luther King was co-pastor. Right. What does it mean to you to go back there every Sunday and to preach from that pulpit? Well, as I said, I, I wanted to go to Dr. King's school. I didn't know I'd become the pastor of his church. And so it's a real honor uh, to preach there every Sunday. And it is part of what keeps me grounded in the Senate. The last thing I want to do is talk to politicians all the time. I'm afraid I might accidentally become one. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I was in the airport the other day, and, and this woman, she recognized me, but she didn't know why. And finally, she said, are you a politician? I said, I sure hope not. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in elected office. Um, but I, I want to remain a, a public servant who serves in the office. And when I'm on the floor of the Senate trying to reduce the cost of insulin, I have an insulin bill, which would reduce people's out-of-pocket cost to $35 per month per individual. I'm thinking about the families I've sat with whom I've seen struggle with diabetes when they've gotten the news that uh, they have to have an amputation. Uh, or we'll have to go on dialysis. Uh, one in four dollars in our healthcare system is spent on somebody with diabetes. And so if we cap the costs, not only do we help those individuals, I think we do a lot 
uh, in addressing our overall healthcare system. So, so the work that I do as a pastor and, and showing up and moving in the community and people are surprised to see me in the grocery store. One of the things I've learned as a pastor is, is you can't serve the people if you don't spend time with the people, if you don't love the people. And um, uh, that, that's the work that I'm trying to do. I, I think there's no shortage of transactional politicians in Washington who are, who are so focused on the next election that they're not thinking about the next generation. It, it, that is what caused you to be unable to do anything after Columbine, after Sandy Hook. It's politicians thinking about themselves. So, yeah, I got, I got an election, but I'm gonna stay focused on the people. You have... Uh, you have a new book, A Way Out of No Way. And I'm, I want to ask you about that in title sure. in just one moment. But you talk about going back and preaching on Sundays. Is there a particular um, verse of Scripture that gives you uh, solace, that keeps you going hmm. in hard times, when things seem hopeless to you? you? You shouldn't ask me about a single verse of Scripture. I know. <laughs> I know you're a pastor, but give me your I, top three. And I, look, and I, 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 grew up, I grew up in a household where even when we weren't quoting Scripture, my parents sounded like they were quoting Scripture. <laughs> All, <laughs> always, always in the King James English. You know, thou, thou shalt wash the dishes. <laughs> you know, let's, let's not smite thee with my rod and my staff. Um, but, uh, look, I grew up in the South. But, um, you know, in these, in these tough times, uh, I've been going back and uh, back again and again to that verse in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, where it says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness overcometh it not. It is the recognition that the days are difficult, that the times are dark, and yet there's a light that pierces through, that breaks through. And um, I think uh, all of us ought to try to be part of that light. So... Where does the title come from, A Way Out of No Way? What is this from? Oh, it's deep in the culture of the black church. Um, you're not in a, in, in a black church for long before you hear somebody say, either from the pulpit or uh, in a song or a testimony that God makes a way out of no way. That, that, that is a kind of faith born of struggle, of, uh, of oppression, and yet keeping the faith and hoping against hope, and getting up and putting one foot in front of the other and pressing on even when you're not exactly sure how, sure how you're going to get there. And it is a sense that as you make your way, God makes a way out of no way. We, we work in partnership with God and with others to do the good work. Your, um, your dear friend, John Lewis, was also one of the parishioners there. Yeah. What did his example mean to you? John Lewis is an enduring uh, inspiration for me. I met him when I was a college student. Uh, we had an event at, at uh, the school, and, and he showed up. And I don't remember what he said, but it was just his presence that meant so much. And then later, I became his pastor. Um, he reminds me in times like these that we have to keep the faith. 
that we have to um, continue to get in what he called good trouble. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had the honor of presiding over his funeral. And when I think about a young John Lewis crossing the Edmund Pettus Bridge, wearing a trench coat, backpack, he didn't have any reason to believe that he could win. I, I, I sometimes wonder what was he thinking. Here, here's what I know. He was not thinking that one day at his funeral, three American presidents would show up at Ebenezer Church on both sides of the aisle. He wasn't thinking that he'd be the recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom. I think he was probably just trying to stay alive that day so he could fight the next day. But somehow through uh, some stroke of destiny, mingled with human determination, he managed to bend that arc a little bit closer towards justice. And that's our job, to keep bending that arc. And so when I think about him, even in times like this, who, who am I to give up? Who, who am I to be cynical in a moment like this I take the long view and um, keep doing the work. Senator, thank you for being here. So good. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Poncho, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. And for more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. Hey there, it's Michael Costa from The Daily Show on Comedy Central. Ever wonder what happens behind the scenes or want to catch some extended interviews? Well, now you can. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition podcast for full episodes, extended content, and a whole lot more. The Daily Show, Ears Edition is available wherever you get your podcasts. Late Show Poncho listeners can get 20% off on all Late Show with Stephen Colbert merchandise on ParamountShop.com. That's 20% off at checkout on all Late Show shirts, mugs, accessories, and more with code TLS20 at ParamountShop.com.